Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, I have Molly Ricks with me from uh, Baltimore Heritage. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So, so tell me about your background. Sure. So, um, um, and I'm happy to be here. I just want to say thanks again. Oh, yeah, though. you're um, welcome. Um, uh, so, uh, I currently um, am the communication, or I'm sorry, I already messed up my title. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm the community engagement and communications manager for Baltimore Heritage. Um, and we are Baltimore's uh, citywide historic preservation nonprofit. Um, I can tell you a little bit about me and then maybe a little oh, bit more sure. about Baltimore Heritage. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, Great. Uh, so um, I got my bachelor's and master's degree in history at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Um, we usually call it UMBC. Uh, and my thesis was on, um, well, I'll tell you the title. It was called Buried Memories, the Evolving Commemoration of Black and White Burial Grounds at Prominent Virginia Plantations. Oh, that's very um, interesting. Thanks. I mean, it's been something that I've uh, been really interested in long before I went to graduate school. Um, and I looked at um, primarily uh, Mount Vernon and Monticello and a little bit Mount Pelier. Um, those three sites, which are the plantations of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and James Madison, um, are somewhat unique in that both all of the, uh, they have white burial grounds on those sites and burial grounds of the enslaved communities. Yes, yes. So um, it was a really uh, fascinating look. And obviously those, those sites have been commemorated very differently over right, the years. Right. Yeah, um, the, um, just saying that, I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought, but um, I've been to, I've been to Mount Vernon, Monticello's on my list, but I, um, but I, um, it is interesting standing at the black burial ground where they have, you know, in the twenties, they were servants in the eighties. They were, you know, they had another label and now we're finally acknowledging that they were enslaved. It's, it's interesting to see the different, the different memori uh, memorials there. Absolutely. And when you're at Mount Vernon, when you're looking at the tomb of George Washington, your back is literally turned to the enslaved community's right. burial ground. They're very close. Yeah, so yeah. that's interesting too. Um, there's a lot there. So um, we could talk about that all day, but <laughs> maybe for another podcast. Yes, um, <laughs> I would be interested. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, 
so, so yeah, so I've always been interested in history. Um, I love meeting people. I love talking to people and I get to do both at Baltimore Heritage. Um, before, before this job at Baltimore Heritage, I um, actually worked for the U.S. Army and I was researching um, post-World War II Army intelligence in Germany, uh, which was great. I mean, we're talking espionage and sabotage and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I got to look at really cool documents at the National Archives and and although I loved that job, I found that there were a few things missing. Um, it was solitary work. Mm. Um, and uh, and I felt like I wasn't sure who I was helping. Um, and, and, and I wanted to be around people. And so when that contract ended, uh, I searched for a job where I could meet lots of different kinds of people and research all different kinds of history. And, um, and for me, that's what preservation really is. It's about people and it's about delving into all different kinds of history. Um, one building can have so many stories to tell. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, Multiple so, um, yeah, yeah. And so, um, I'm lucky I found this job and I get to work with people all over Baltimore and, um, and, and I think, I mean, I, I, I honestly don't know how helpful I'm being, but it's really nice to be able to, um, uh, you know, talk with lots of different kinds of people. Um, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah. I, I, um, I, I enjoy that too. That's one of the reasons that I really enjoy doing the podcast is because I get to meet people that I might not otherwise meet, you know, in my, yeah. in my normal everyday, you know, everyday work life. Um, so I, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about it. So I completely understand. And I, I struggle, like if I'm home all day and like, I don't have meetings or anything, my husband comes home and I just start bombarding him. He's like, I know you didn't have anybody around you today because Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's, that's one of the best parts of my day is when I get to drive around, get out of the office and drive around and and talk to people. Um, It's, and, and, you know, it's really wonderful. And and I guess I should say, um, can I talk a little bit about Baltimore Heritage? Sure. sure. (laughs) Um, Just because I want, I want to talk about, you know, uh, you know, I think sometimes people think historic preservation is all about um, like wallpaper and that sort of thing, like very like, um, pragmatic. And, and I think at Baltimore Heritage, we try to take a larger, you know, preservation is about, it serves people, it serves neighborhoods and communities. And, um, and, and so Baltimore Heritage got started in 1960. Um, and it was an all volunteer organization. And it was started in response to urban renewal projects in Baltimore. Um, one of the earliest projects that Baltimore Heritage was a part of was stopping a highway that was going to be built through several historic neighborhoods around the Inner Harbor, which um, are today some, you know, lovely cobblestone streets and quaint row houses and um, and because of um, Baltimore Heritage, and uh, it was a coalition, there were many right, other yeah. ones too. Um, that's why we have the Baltimore Harbor Tunnel and not a highway. Oh. Um, and so uh, that's how it got started. It didn't get a full-time employee until my boss, my, the executive director of Baltimore Heritage was hired in 2003. Um, and we're still a very small organization. Uh, we have two, in a, two full-time employees and a part-time researcher. Um, and, uh, and our goal is really... Um, to preserve and protect uh, Baltimore's historic places and neighborhoods and communities. Um, And so we do that in a few ways. We do it through advocacy, um, and I can talk more about that in a second, but we also do it through educational programming. Um, Our our sort of guide is we believe that awareness leads to understanding and understanding leads to preservation. 
So the more we can talk about places, the better. Right. I agree with you. And um, that's really interesting. Um, so I'm, I do consulting work in addition to our construction work. And um, I started as the preservation consultant for the Lancaster County Preservation Trust almost three years ago now. And um, in August, the, tr- the board asked me to be the part-time executive director. But um, their, the organization started in the 60s as a response to urban renewal. So I think that was a huge inflection point for, for preservation organizations, especially at a grassroots level. Um, they wanted to tear down a building that at the time did not look great. Um, and it was, um, but, but they figured out that it was where um, Andrew Ellicott had trained Meriwether Lewis and surveying before they went, you know, before Lewis and Clark went West. And so they got it on the national register. They got national, you know, and then they, they actually built this parking garage around it. Like we are like, (laughs) there, there, there's walls of the parking garage on two sides. Um, and then the other, the other side are streets. Um, but you know, I, so I think that that was really an important moment and I'm glad that people were willing to, to stand up and say, Hey, maybe this does, we don't have to tear down everything that was, that was old. You know, we can, we can, we can, we can still allow, you know, we can still allow development to happen. We can put a tunnel in rather than going about, you know, above ground, like there there are options. Absolutely. I mean, I think it really is a testament to the ingenuity of um, both uh, preservation advocates and also engineers and and civil servants and that sort of thing uh, to figure out a way that worked. And I think it is also really interesting. I mean, it's, it's the advent of the car and the car was sort of like this new uh, you know, invention that was taking over um, on yeah, a we were, high. We were building the the world was being built for for people in cars, cars rather than people walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and it's interesting to see that that's not always how we approach things today. Right. Yeah. 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 We, what um, people really thought that that was you know it, it, it does the, the trends come and go, but yeah, right now the the trend is towards walkable, which I you know I I I think is a good thing. So. Um. So you talked to me a little bit about Baltimore, about Baltimore heritage. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to share, share about it before we, before I start talking to you about their program or your programs? Um, sure. I mean, I guess I'll just say, um, you know, one of the great things I think about Baltimore heritage is that um, along with all the programs we do, one of our big things is to promote what other groups are already doing. <clears throat> we firmly believe that we don't need to like reinvent the wheel. And Baltimore has a lot of great neighborhood groups and um, CDCs and, and associations, nonprofits that are doing things in their own neighborhoods. And so, um, you know, I feel very lucky that I get to be uh, working with a lot of these different groups. Um, one I want to totally plug right now is uh, uh, the Laurel Cemetery Memorial Task Force. So this was, um, Laurel Cemetery is uh, in Northeast Baltimore and it was incorporated in 1852 as Baltimore's first non-denominational cemetery for African-Americans. And it was huge. And um, there's a lot, of, you know, really important people were buried there. And then, you know, ever like lot big families were buried there and everybody in between. Right. And um, unfortunately in the 1950s through a series of uh, suspect legal acquisitions, uh, the, the property was taken over and paved over. Right. And, um, and the memory of this cemetery was really lost. And, and uh, a group was formed a few years ago um, to tell the story of Laurel Cemetery to eventually get a memorial uh, on the site, which is now a parking lot and a, um, 
it's a shopping center. So um, that group has been doing wonderful things. And when I started at Baltimore Heritage, I was able to join the group and, um, and it's just been so wonderful. Again, meeting people from all over the city, professors, civic, you know, lawyers, all different kinds of people. And, um, and that's been really fun. And I, we get to do that all over the city. And then Baltimore Heritage can promote what this great work they're already doing. I mean, hours of research uh, and volunteer work have gone into that group. Um, so that's been really fun. And we get to do it with you know, LGBTQ history and mm-hmm. Native American history, the Lumbee tribe in, in East Baltimore. Um, so that's been really fun too. But I think that's, we really wanna tell the story of all Baltimoreans. Yeah, I, I think that that's really important because it's, and I, I, I see that as a trend within within preservation, advocacy and, and education because it, if people see themselves in the story, they're more invested. Um, and, and, and then you also see the contributions of, of everyone also. The, um, um, I don't know if you've read um, Slavery in the North. Anybody who listens to the podcast knows that I refer to it relatively <laughs> frequently because um, he's a social scientist that actually didn't know he was writing a preservation book. But he talks about collective memory and how when people move away, people die, you lose those those memories. Um, but he talks a lot about gravesites. So you might be interested mm, in that. Thank you. I will look that up. Yeah. Um, he um, and he was on the podcast, too, if you wanted to. Listen oh, great. To listen. Okay. But um, he. Um, but yeah, he talks a lot about these cemeteries that are, you know, that are rediscovered. And, and then, you know, telling those stories, commemorating and, and, and the, the communities coming together to tell those stories. So I think you would, I think you would enjoy that. And it might be helpful with your, some of the things that they, they have done advocacy wise in Philadelphia, where he's based. Oh, um, wonderful. Um, it might be, might be helpful for, for your group too. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so tell me about some of your programs. Sure. So, um, Really, uh, over the last 20 years, Baltimore Heritage has led over 500 heritage tours around Baltimore. Um, And we do a lot of one-off tours, what we consider behind the scenes tours of things like Lexington Market. Or um, when I started before the pandemic, we did one at the Patapsco wastewater treatment plant. Um, So really um, broadening, you know, what we do uh, in terms of, you know, someone might say, well, what does that have to do with history? And we say, well, it's in a neighborhood and it's in a community and it, and it, and, uh, it impacts people. And so that's why we're going to talk about it. And it was fascinating and it was smelly, but it was fascinating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, and then we do other things, uh, again, partnering with groups, um, uh, Baltimore Heritage every year uh, with a lot of other historians and museums in the in the Baltimore City area, um, we put on an unconference uh, to talk about Baltimore's history. You know, bring in our you know archivists come and students come and professors come and you know the person who just liked Baltimore history comes right. and we talk about history. And it's a really great networking event. And um, a couple of years ago at this event, that's every uh, September at the Baltimore Museum of Industry. Um, a couple of years ago, I met some representatives from the Henrietta Lacks Legacy Group. Oh, yeah. They gave a great presentation. And so we were able to partner with them on a walking tour. Henrietta Lacks lived just outside Baltimore City. Oh, really? Right I was not aware of that. Yeah, yeah. In um, um, It's a historic African-American neighborhood called Turner's Station. And... Um, and when she was, it was there that uh, she went to Hopkins and discovered she had cervical cancer. Um, 
And there is a really active group, this Henrietta Lecks legacy group um, that is telling her story and telling the story of Turner Station. So we were able to partner with them and, and do a great walking tour. Um, and so, uh, so we do walking tours. And then we also have uh, recurring walking tours of different historic neighborhoods and homes and cemeteries. Um, and then one of the things we did when, so when the pandemic started, you know, we had really, we rely on our walking tours. It brings in a lot of our organizational funding. Right. Um, and when the pandemic started, we were like, uh-oh, <laughs> what do we do now? And we started a series um, kind of just off the cuff called Five Minute Histories, where my colleague and, and supervisor Johns Hopkins um, visits different places in Baltimore and talks about the history and significance of those places. He just kind of stands in front of them, uh, films on his daughter's old iPhone and um, talks about them. He sends them to me and I edit and produce them and find historic images um, to... Uh, put in there. And um, to date, we've done over 200 videos. Oh, and, that's really awesome. Yeah, they're, they were unexpectedly popular. We, we really didn't know what we were doing. Um, I am trained as a historian, not as a video right. editor. <laughs> and I, I always say to people, like, if I can figure out iMovie on, on a Mac, anybody can. Um, but uh, so that's been really fun. And we're still rolling with those. Um, now, are you... Um... I think that's a really great idea. Now, I'm just curious from a revenue standpoint, yeah. like, have you found sponsors or... We have okay. really what we do, we, we have had a couple sponsors. Uh -huh. um, we have really um, just been shocked about the generosity of people. I mean, they like the series. Uh, we didn't go into it asking for money. We just were like, we're going to do this. And people um, were very generous with their donations. That's and um, yeah. yeah, and it just seems like, um, you know, we're providing a service and they enjoy it and they want it to continue and we're happy to continue to do it. Um, yeah. And it's nice to have a little bit of money. Um, we, again, we partner with a lot of groups uh, to try and tell different stories. And we can, you know, we partnered with, um, <laughs> I don't know if this is known outside of Baltimore, but we have something called Mr. Trash Wheel in Baltimore. Oh, no, I, I'm not aware of that. <laughs> okay. So Mr. Trash Wheel is like a huge contraption and I feel like I'm gonna butcher it and I should probably have those people be talking about it, but um, <laughs> it's a huge contraption um, at the end of, it started with one at the end of the Jones Falls, um, which is a, is a, a stream that flows into the inner harbor and it picks up trash and it's like uh, run on solar power and it like, and it kind of, looks like he's eating the trash and so someone had the idea of putting googly eyes on him and it's oh, uh and, and so anyways, yeah and um and he has like a made like social media account is pretty cool, <laughs> um for mr trash wheel and uh anyways so we did a video with mr trash wheel where we talked about the history of the jones falls and how baltimore really grew up around it yeah. and then they talked about trash um and and it was really awesome so um those videos we can we reach many different audiences which we weren't expecting um to do but um we love how accessible that history is for people yes yeah i i think and, and that's probably something that people have seen and people are curious about but they might not know the backstory exactly exactly yeah. so we can i think that's really really great i i was so impressed um during you know, at this, the, you know, two years ago, you know, when everybody, everything was still locked down and how creative people got, you know, either <laughs> small business owners, but also nonprofits. Like I, and I thought that was really, you know, not that it was easy, but it was really a great thing that everybody was so, you know, trying things out just to see what they could do to continue the connections. Absolutely. And it's crazy because I don't think we would have done this had we not been forced to. Right. And it's been so wonderful. Um, we've met I think so it's a great people. idea. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so we're like, um, you know, of course the pandemic is terrible for so many reasons, but the silver lining is that we did this. And um, so it's great. Um, If it's okay with you, I'll just mention a couple other things. Yeah, definitely. Um, Again, when the pandemic started, we partnered with uh, a friend of our friendly organization of ours um, uh, called, it's not ours, sorry, a friendly group um, called the Baltimore Architecture Foundation. And um, together we started doing um, virtual histories, which were short presentations every Friday, um, where we invited someone to come talk about something Baltimore related and um, and it was all virtual. And then we would have um, questions and it would be over in about half an hour. Um, and we're still doing that every other Friday. Um, so if you know anybody, (laughs) um, but that's been really, really fun. And it's brought again, unexpectedly, we have people coming in from like, you know, signing on from Britain and New Zealand and Montreal. And and yeah, we're like, Whoa, this is cool. We're getting, you know, former Baltimoreans that now live in Washington state and that sort of thing. Um, so that's been awesome. And then we have a couple like ongoing, um, programs that we do. We have something called, uh, the legacy businesses program that highlights businesses that have been in the same family for over a hundred years. Um, and similarly, we have the centennial homes program that features homes that have been in the same family for over a hundred years. Um, and so, uh, and then we have, you know, uh, we, we help groups like the adopt a monument program that, um, people can sign up to sponsor, the, the protection of, of monuments around Baltimore, certain monuments, we can get into that later, but, um, (laughs) so yeah, and then, and then continuing to do preservation work with other groups in the area and and amplify their stories. Um, we have friends, uh, who started something called the Herring Run Community Archaeology, and they do archaeology and talk about the enslaved community that lived, um, in Baltimore's Herring Run Park. Um, and so just all sorts of groups we're trying to, you know, we love working with, um, with groups all over the city. Yeah. I, I, and I think that that's great because it kind of helps everybody. It's not, you're not duplicating efforts, but it also helps everybody to amplify the story and the, and the, and the, the, whatever, you know, whatever you're, you're promoting. Yeah. So do you, um, do you work then on like preservation? Um, like let's say a, a building's in danger. Do you get involved with those kind of things also? Absolutely. And actually a big one that we have right now, you know, and maybe this is going into uh, some of your other questions, but, you know, in Baltimore, I would love to be able to save every row house that we've got, you know, and it's just not possible, but there are certain ones that we do put our foot down about. And um, one of them right now is a group of alley houses on Sarah Ann street. And this is in um, West Baltimore in in a neighborhood called Poppleton. And these houses um, are, have, were built in the 1870s and have been continuously inhabited by African Americans um, since that time. And and these houses are really cute. They're they've been very well maintained. They're all painted different pastel colors. <laughs> um, and uh, the city, in conjunction with um, a developer, wants to tear them down. And and the most important part about this is they're inhabited still. Like people right. live in these houses, yeah. and they want to tear them down. And it's um, it's really uh, crazy. And so um, there's a group called Organized Poppleton that has been working really hard to get the story out about this, and then also to get it protected as a, a certified uh, local district um, in an effort to. And and yesterday we found out. Um, you know my my. Baltimore Heritage's executive director um, and a a lot of other people showed up at the um, 
the Commission on Historical and Architectural Preservation um, and and lobbied to have this as a certified local district. And yesterday we found out it was. So oh, very good so news. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really awesome. And it's really a testament to um, this group, uh, Organized Poppleton. And, uh, but yeah, so there's definitely places like that that were like, no, this should not be, you know, we will stand in front of the bulldozer kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. So we definitely do that. Another one that um, was before my time, but it was something that Baltimore Heritage really fought for was, um, saving something called the Hebrew Orphan Asylum in West Baltimore. And it is the oldest still standing Hebrew Orphan Asylum in the country. And um, after, uh, you know, for a number of years, it was an orphan asylum, and then it was a hospital, and then it was vacant for a long time. And Baltimore Heritage got involved to save this beautiful, big castle looking building. And um, finally, um, about a couple of years ago, uh, everything sort of came together and it's now um, called the Center for Healthy Living and it's it's for the neighborhood and this neighborhood really needed a healthcare clinic and um, and so it's sort of this there's this beautiful building that can honor the history of the Jewish orphans that were there and it can serve the community today and that's kind of that's what we want with that's yeah. the, the ultimate goal. Um, and yeah, and so yeah. that's kind of a success story that we always try to tell. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. And I, I always say, you know, some people are so rigid and just don't think, you know, they don't even think adaptive reuse is okay. And I'm like, no, a useful building is one that will be preserved. If it's not useful anymore, it's not going to be, you know, nobody cares that. So I, I, I am not, I, I am not, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I have definite preservation principles but but I am I am very okay with keeping buildings useful <laughs> yes I yeah. mean I think that's a way to appreciate them even more and they and the the people that um, renovated and, and rehabbed the building did a wonderful job keeping historic elements and brightening the building and um and and that also I should say that was a coalition Baltimore Heritage was certainly a part of that but it was really the, the community association um the Coppin Heights CDC that that led that effort and did an amazing job Oh, very good. Um, so, and I guess this kind of leads us into um, what, why is historic preservation important? Yeah, um, and this is something I feel like we've been dancing around this whole yeah. time. Um, we really feel like it's a way to um, tell, uh, you know, this. it's more, it's, first of all, it's more than just like saving old buildings. Right. It's, it's doing that, but it's telling the stories of all Baltimoreans and it's helping revitalize communities. Um, so there's significant places in Baltimore um, that tell stories about communities that are no longer there. And uh, for instance, we have we have a Chinatown in Baltimore that um, really has been, um, it's now much more of like a little Ethiopia, um, but <laughs> yeah. there's, um, but, but the buildings remain. And so we can tell multiple stories. We can talk right. about immigration in Baltimore and, and Chinatown. And then we can also talk about Ethiopian immigration yes. and, and everything in between. So um, these layers of history that one building can tell. Um, and, and I would say it's more than just stories though. Also, it's, um, it's about, you know, supporting neighborhood revitalization and stewardship of parks and uh, open spaces and, sustainability. I mean, I'm really looking at like, why build a new building when we have this perfectly good building already here? Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's really important. I think that that's one of the things that preservationists and the people who are like the green building people need to like work together better with, because they have the same goals. They just don't realize it. <laughs> yes. 
exactly. Yeah. Like, wait, we can, we can do this. We yeah. don't have to reinvent. And, the yeah. And you don't have to build a new building that has, you know, the certification that says it's green. You can like reuse a building and, you know, keep all those building materials. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And what beautiful building materials they are. Oh I mean, oh, it's wonderful stuff. Um, so, so yeah, I think uh, fundamentally preservation um, is about people and empowering people who are fighting to keep neighborhoods together and strong and, um, and trying to make where they live better. Yes. And I think that's, um, if we can help with that, that's, so that's kind of where we come from with historic preservation. I, I think that that's, I think that's really, um, I think that's really great that you're, you're telling, you're not just focused on buildings, you're focused on the people connected to the buildings. Cause I think that that's, that's where the people feel the connection. Totally. Yeah, totally. So uh, what trends or challenges do you see in preservation? Yeah. Um, I think I alluded to this too. I mean, so one thing is it can be hard to convince people that certain buildings should be saved, um, even if it does cost money or it can be expensive, um, that, that it's worth it. And that, um, you know, I think back to Jane Jacobs and, uh, you know, the death and life in American cities and how having different kinds of architecture and different kinds of buildings um, and just diversity of, of that is important in itself. And, um, and that it brings a richness to communities, but also, um, but yeah, so funding in, in general, that can yes. be a, a different, especially in the nonprofit world. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and I already said this, but like, if it were up to me, I would totally save every building that I could. I mean, if I had all the money in the world, um, but it can be hard. It can be hard to say these, I mean, there's some beautiful row homes um, in Baltimore that uh, it's just, it to buy the home, it would, I mean, to, it would be negative. There, there's like negative reasons to buy the home because uh, there's liens and that sort of oh, thing. Yeah. So it can be, it can be tricky. Um, and then once you do rehab and make it nice, how do we bring people here and, and that sort of thing. So um, it can be, it, that can be really tricky, but um, you know, I think the other thing about Baltimore, which I think is also a plus, is just the sheer capacity of historic places mm -hmm. in Baltimore. I mean, there's just so many. So I'll, in, um, in Baltimore, 90 neighborhoods are officially designated as historic. Um, and this is more than any other city except New York. Uh, and New York is huge. And right. so, um, yeah. and then Baltimore also has 205 buildings on its historic landmark list. And that's a, that's a ton. Yes. And the thing is, there are dozens more neighborhoods and and places that should be designated. Mm -hmm. And so that can, that can be daunting, you know, and we're doing the best we can. And it's sort of like, you have to go to the, we sort of go to which one is being threatened next. Right. Um, and then can we, can we get that one designated and do something with that? But um, so I think sometimes the task is daunting, but it, I mean, it's certainly, we have our work cut out for us. Yes. Uh, yes. You, you, you won't be done anytime soon. You're not going to work yourself out of a job. <laughs> right. That is true. But it's sort of like, oh, I wish I could go, you know, save all these buildings right now. And, um, you know, there's also, I'm sure you, you know, in your construction knowledge, you know, like things like, oh, I wish we could just get a roof on that building and stop right. the water from coming in. Oh my in. goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and some things are just so simple. And it's like, if you would just do that, we can like, you know, we, we can figure out the rest, but if, if you keep letting it deteriorate, it's, it's going to be a lot worse. It's going to be a lot more expensive. You're completely exactly. about the expense now. <laughs> we talked about that in Baltimore. I mean, basically we call it demolition by neglect. Yes. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Um, and if we could just get a roof on that building, then, then yeah. things could be different. Yeah. So. And now in Lancaster city, they have actually put in our ordinance that, um, if you're demolishing a building by neglect, they will not grant a demolition permit. 
Um, wow. But but that I know that that's that's fairly wow. recent. Um, yeah. and, but I think that would, that would stop a lot of that. If, if people knew that they were, can't just go in and say, oh, look how bad it is. I've owned it for 20 years, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and in Baltimore, sometimes it can be hard to figure out who owns the, the row house um, still. Like, so it, like it can be really difficult to figure out who even the owner is, um, with some of these places, but that's a really interesting yeah. tactic. Yeah. yeah. But, and I think that, you know, and I, that's one of the things that I always talk about is like, preservation is so local that if you can get your local municipality to put some of these things in the ordinance, it, it helps. Um, and, and Lancaster County is over 60 different municipalities and all of them have different preservation ordinances. So it's kind of crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is one thing I'm really grateful for that, um, that Baltimore has CHAP, which is its, uh, you know, commission on historic and architectural preservation. And that's been a really, it's a really wonderful sort of stopgap to make sure that things like demolitions are not happening and uh, without permission. Right. Most of the time. I mean, that still does happen occasionally. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Things, you know, um, so. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's it's a struggle, but but yeah, it it helps if those if those if those ordinances are there and they're followed. Yeah. So, um, is there any? Well, before we before we go into like the wrap up questions, is there anything that you thought of while we were talking that maybe I didn't ask you that you want to share? Um, I don't think so. Okay, think you're very thorough. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> very good. Well, is there anything you'd like to promote? Um. I think I would love uh, if people, if you're ever in Baltimore, check us out for, for a walking tour. We'd love to show you around. Um, check out our uh, five minute histories videos. They're all on YouTube and on our website. Um, and we're always looking for suggestions. So uh, yes. we love working with our audience and chatting with people and giving shout outs. Um, so uh, would love, love to hear from everybody. Okay, very good, thank you. And then how can our listeners contact you? Um, sure, you can email me. My email is ricks, uh, R-I-C-K-S, at baltimoreheritage.org. Um, or you can um, go on our website, uh, and all of our contact info is on there, too. Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much. I'll make sure that your um, the, the links to the website and um, your email are on, the, on, the, on our site where the, where the podcast is hosted in case somebody's listening and wants to find it. But Wonderful. Thank you so much for, for uh, joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.